What's up? This is Patrick of RadicCards.com, and today I'd like to talk to you about how to identify when something fits into your collection. Okay, this is kind of, we've talked about this a little bit in the past. I want to touch on this again because as a player collector myself, I can be in a situation where I will put my money towards something knowing that it's outside of the scope of my most wanted list, and then let's say it's a modern post-career year product. So like Frank Thomas has been retired for quite a few years now, and he's already in the Hall of Fame. So he's not going to be in another major league game as a player. At least not an active one that contributes to the score of any, uh, any, 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 any scoreboard. So, uh, unless he's in like a, like a retirement old-timers game. Um, but again, we're talking about playing your stuff as this generally stuff I, I end up collecting. Modern is comes out every year and it produces more and more cards of Frank Thomas. So it's hard for me to keep up. Not impossible, it's just very hard. And I choose, I make an active decision not to buy most modern. And here's why. If I spend money on modern, I have less money for the stuff I actually want to buy which is career year stuff, usually high-end rare items that I'm still after. I mean, after so many years of collecting, whatever's left has to be rare, right? So if something pops, like say a number to 10 tier one autograph, that's like 80 bucks. Is that a rare item? Uh, it depends on how you define rare. I mean, one, one might define rare as, as that card, that specific card you know, there are 10 copies of that very specific card. Uh, so, in fact, that example would be rare because there are only 10 of them. Now, how, is it rare to find a Frank Thomas autograph? Absolutely not. Frank Thomas signs probably more now than he's ever signed. And I can see every year there's, there's Frank Thomas autographs pumped out almost in every product he's in and multiple parallels of them. Uh, so it, it's hundreds upon hundreds of different cards every year that are autographed. Uh, 2016 Flawless is a perfect example. He signed so many different cards, 30 or 40 different ones, just in Flawless alone. Um, so I think to myself, yeah, those are great, fine. But if I had the cash, would I put it toward a modern product, right, of an, like an autographed Frank Thomas card for $80, let's just say, and, and up, it could go higher, and especially if it goes up, if it's a one-of-one, one, it could be even higher than that, or do I pocket that cash and put it towards something that I'm working on in one of his playing year years, like, you know, like a, a rare 98 card or something. See, because there's so many cards produced of him every year that are signed, and each individual one can be anywhere from 30 to hundreds, depending on what it is. And that's a lot of money per card. And if you're thinking hundreds of these different types of cards every year, I mean, that cost can go through the roof very quickly. And then you're out all that money that you could have put aside towards something big uh, that you've been looking for for a while. But I guess it's what's most important to you. And it also relates to how much income you make, right? So if your discretionary is really wide and you can buy pretty much anything you want. It, this, this, this conversation may not apply to you, but for those of us that have a budget, we try to stick to it every year, or every month, if you will, um, 
Think about what fits into your collection. Granted, if you're a player collector, it'll all fit, but that budget, it wouldn't fit into your budget, right? So you gotta think of what would fit into my collection within my budget. How can I maximize my return with the yield that I presently have? Liquid, right? So I understand the need to get your fix and to get the card and get something new, I get that. But there's also a degree of patience that can be exercised that will allow you to put yourself in a situation where you might feel better about saving your money so that you can be ready when something pops that you absolutely have to have than just spending your money on something you'd be okay to have just to get that fix. Would you be more happier getting your fix of buying something that you kind of want that's cool, that would work in your collection, or waiting, right, stretching that interval out farther, quite a bit farther, let's say weeks to months, and buying something that you absolutely have to have in your collection because you've looked for it for years and years and years. Right, see, for me, it's the latter. But then again, I'm just one guy, and this is just my opinion. I just want you to think about it. I'm happier getting something that I've been after for, say, decades and saving up and not buying anything for, say, months beforehand and then being ready for it when it does pop and being able to place a significantly aggressive bid on the item and get it and bring it into the collection. And I get that, you know, what I'm doing is I'm sacrificing my um, need to get my fix on modern cards just to fill holes just for fun just so I can say I've been adding to it or you know I've, I've got something new I know we get we as player collectors we get stuff that's new um, not just new and year date of when it was made but new as in a new addition to your collection if you're on a budget think about what you could do to maximize your excitement and your passion for what you're doing without breaking the bank right? Modern stuff always, every year, something new comes out with your player in it, right? Oftentimes for us player collectors is what we face. So where is our money best spent? Is it best spent in a, in a piggy bank in the top of our refrigerator, let's just say? I mean, granted, most of us won't do that. We'll put us you know, put in a bank account. Fine. Or is it best spent on modern? Because it doesn't really matter because we make enough money either way. I, I would be safe to, uh, to at least assume that most people that are listening don't have access to unlimited funds. Uh, those of us that do, great. Those of us that don't, this conversation might apply. So I encourage you to look at your finances as, as a tool to help you build a reserve that's significant enough to allow you to place competitive offers when the card that you really want surfaces instead of chipping away at your reserve on modern stuff that just never seems to end. That stuff, modern will always be around. I mean, in 10 years, the stuff that comes out now, I mean, I mean, you can revisit this conversation and think about if that applies to stuff on your most wanted list. I don't know what's going to happen in 10 years. Looking back on the stuff that's coming out now, will some of the stuff end up on my most wanted list? I don't know. But presently speaking... Looking at my most wanted list, I look at what I'd rather own. Is it a modern tier one autograph number to 10 of my player? Or is it some elusive insert from decades back that's just 
near impossible, mythical, if you will, to find. Personally, I'd be happier with the latter. But that would require me to save money. Not spend. Put my time and energy elsewhere while I'm waiting. Can we do that? Can you do that? I've done it. It's hard. It is hard, I agree. But it's not, not impossible. It's very feasible. You have to kind of let yourself be the best collector you can be. You have to let yourself be that person. We all have it within us to be that financial manager of our own reserve. Um, put the funds where you feel like are best allocated. And look at your most wanted list. It might not be modern stuff. There's nothing wrong with modern. If, if, if your funds and reserve go to modern because that's all you like, do that. If your funds and reserve feel like you might be better allocated towards stuff on your most wanted list that is in fact made up of cards not modern, then do that. It's my hope that this conversation will allow you to look at your finances and how you're spending in a, in a, diff, in a new way and allow you to exercise a little bit more discretion over where your funds are going and where they're being allocated so you can make the most of your spending and get the most out of your collection, right? So think about that. I'll leave you with that. This is Patrick of RowdyCards.com, and until next time, enjoy collecting. If you like this content, please subscribe. Thank you. Enjoy collecting.